Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Another Friday, another podcast. And last week, you didn't get one. I was busy on the road with my boys, Eric Black, Jason Dunkel, and George T. We were headed down to Grand National Roadster Show. And um, that's no, still no excuse, guys. I didn't have one ready for you, so you didn't get it. And that's what happened. So hopefully you missed it and you really appreciate the podcast and show your appreciation by going to letstalkdubs.com and picking up some gear or registering for one crazy weekend. Registration is open for this next this year's one crazy weekend happening October 3rd through the 5th at the Orleans Hotel Casino. Go click on the link today. You can reserve your room. Reserve your rooms today. Don't wait till they're sold out. You will be sorry. So make sure that you guys go and get that handle today. Also, while you're there, pick up some merch, support your boy, grab a sweatshirt. There's some cool sweatshirts and get yourself laced up in some Let's Talk Dubs gear. Now, this week's podcast a lot of cars been coming out in the magazine, and one of those cars that came out uh, was awarded last year's DKP meet, and it's Mark Akulian's 61 Beetle. Mark's car was on the cover of the 2024 Hot VW's Cow Look Edition, a yellow, uh, bright yellow 61 Cow Look Beetle, original BRMs, hand-formed deck lid with the MP scoops, tons and tons of rare early accessories. So... It's a good podcast. This car was 20 plus years in the making. And uh, what's not was Mark's first time in the magazine. Mark was actually in the magazine back in April of 1988 Hot VWs with his K-Well Turbo Powered 1957 Beetle. So if you got that issue, go back, check it out and look at what Mark looked like when he was just a young man. And you guys will uh, get a kick out of that. But that's what's on this week's podcast. So a cool story about uh, how this car was built, what it took to get it done, and some of the details that are on it, which were surprising to me. 356 brakes, that he prefers drum brakes over discs. But hey, everybody's got their own flavor. And we talk about motor build, transaxle, all that good stuff. So it's a great podcast, and I'm sure you guys will enjoy the listen. So don't forget to support those that support your favorite podcast. Go to Ross Wolf today and pick up some more jewelry for your car. I just picked up some red velocity stacks for my new tur- my new super supercharger setup that's on my 1800 in the chop top. Red, of course, to match the sweet chop top. So getting that doped out, got the uh, dipstick, my favorite thing to get from them, and some of the other stuff that they carry. So if you need deck lid hinges, if you need radio block off plates, whatever you need, man, go to Ross Wolf today. They got it. And don't forget, like always, subscribe to VW Trends Magazine. Matter of fact, next week, Paul Morton, who does the tech articles for VW Trends Magazine, is going to be on next week's podcast. So you'll want to check that out. We do kind of a deep dive and throwback into some of the old stuff. Conversations cover things like mini trucks, car audio, magazines, which he was an editor for Auto Sound and Security. So we talk a lot of, about a little bit everything, BMX, skateboarding, all that good stuff put together. So it'll be a great podcast for you guys listen to. But in the meanwhile, go subscribe today at VWTrendsMagazine.com. That's VWTrendsMagazine.com. And subscribe so you don't miss an issue today. But we're into it, guys. It's a good podcast this week. Some history on Mark Akulian's car, this super nice 61 traditional cow look built to the proper 70 style so 
It's a great podcast, a lot of detail, and it's quite a story that this car undertook and his history in the VW world. So without any further ado, guys, let's get into it this week with the 2024 Cal Look Hot VW's cover car, Mark Akulian on Let's Talk Dubs. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Okay, everybody. So on today's show, uh, we always try to pursue some of the stuff that's out and just debuted. And last year at the DKP meet, uh, Mark Akulian's car debuted, and it was a 1961 uh, yellow cow look bug. It took the DKP Club Choice Award, and you've seen it on the cover of the 2024 Hot VWs Cow Look Edition. So uh, I wanted to welcome today Mark Akulian to the podcast. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Hey, so uh, we've been you and I have been talking back and forth. Matter of fact, we were talking a little bit before your car was finished and came out because we wanted to make sure that we talked about your car and got it out once the uh, the car was finished. So now we're finally sitting down to get to do the podcast. And um, I know that uh, this car has been a long build process and uh, definitely got a lot of attention when it came out. A lot of the classic you know details done to it. But of course, the way we always start the podcast is. What's your VW story and how did you get into Volkswagens? So my first uh, experience that I really got me going was my mom's friend came to visit and uh, she comes driving down the street, this long street in a uh, 1966 pearl white red interior Beetle and uh, just caught my eye and I was in, in awe and uh just uh she you know take me around the block and when she would come to visit and i would uh just enjoy riding around in that thing and like all seven-year-olds do i guess is you ride way in the back and uh just fell in love with the the sound and the uh the you know the smells and you know, just the aura about the that volkswagen and now um as you get a little bit older are you like your the bugs on your radar since you're since you're young and impressionable like that? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, as a lot of us, you always in the cars and stuff, and I was always uh, intrigued. You know, always got toys in the form of cars, automotive, anything like that. And um, so yeah, and then I older brother and, and his buddies were all into Volkswagens too. So. Um, kind of, kind of got the vibe on that. And, and where are um, you growing up at this time? So I grew up in, uh, in Irvine, California, up in Turtle Rock, um, which is stone's throw away from like most people know the Orange County Fairgrounds or yeah. OCIR or even, uh, Irvine Meadows Amphitheater. So right in the, uh, uh epicenter of, uh, of, uh, SoCal there. And then obviously you're growing up. You're in high school. What year did you graduate? Uh, I was class of '87. Oh yeah, so you're right. You're right there in the thick of the whole '80s, uh, '80s VW. 
I mean, that's really the height of Volkswagens is like from 84 to 87 was like the magazines were the thickest. Everything was going nuts. And I think everything peaked right around 89 or 90, you know. Um, so obviously you're down there in the hotbed of things. What's what's the first Volkswagen you buy? Uh, so I, I got a 1957 oval window ragtop. Uh, about my, you know, four, late 14, almost 15 years old. And uh, my mom bought it for me to keep me busy in the garage. And uh, so I was just cutting loose in the garage on it. And what do you got to pay for that 57 when you got it? I was looking at the old auto trader ad in, uh, a few months ago, and it was it was advertised for like four thousand dollars. Wow! And uh, it, I think we got it for twenty eight hundred. Well, mom knew how to negotiate, uh, huh? <laughs> yeah, my brother and his buddies came along. Yeah, yeah, they came along and said, picked it apart, and of course, I'm just my eyes are you know bigger than my head, just my mind's just spinning on what I want to do to it. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a pretty big deal for your first car to step up and just pick up an oval right out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I didn't really have a, a specific, I just wanted a car, you know, there was a, my, I lost my father about that time. So, uh, my mom was trying to, you know, keep my focus on things and she wanted me, she knew I loved cars and she's like, okay, I'm, you know, give something Mark to chew his, you know, to chew on and keep him busy. And right. So, and I was like, yeah, I just, you know, I didn't care if it was a super beetle uh, or if it was a Baja or what it was, but you know, I, I kind of, I think my brother and his friends kind of had a little influence cause they knew what I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the pictures I developed, I had this little one ten instamatic camera. So I had a bunch of pictures and the, you know, the pictures proved what really caught my eye. And it was, uh, it really was the cow look hot street car thing, um, that, that I really wanted. So, yeah. And that was, I mean, that was really the, the time then, you know, it, cause I, I have a car that's built in the eighties. I've got, I own future shock and that car, <clears throat> it seemed that in the eighties, it was like, because there was the mini truck craze going on at the same time. And that was kind of the competition for Volkswagens, right? Like the mini truck guys and the VW guys. And it was, there was this thing where it was like, how modern could you make your Volkswagen and yet keep it a Volkswagen, you know, like power windows or center consoles and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was a different vibe of the whole scene, like the whole eighties, the whole eighties look, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And, you know, a little backstory on that was, you know, I was so heavily influenced to the early, early stripped down, decroned, fast, you know, simplified car that that's what I was building. And that's the way it was turned. It The first version turned out that way. And then once I was 16, 17 and hitting all the shows, Johnny Speed and Chrome, you know, um, and the magazines were coming out and Pete Engel was making all these crazy interiors. I'm like, I got to do that. So then my car, you know, I, I, I went sideways. I, you know, that's the way I went. I got influenced by the flashy eighties and it was very powerful. It was, you know, it went four wheel disc brakes and you're right. We're trying to make those modern 
full big sound system. I had a mini truck sound system in my car, you know, with an MP3 piece roll cage. Yeah. So what were you doing with the, uh, so what'd you have for sounds in that car back in the day? Oh, so I had, um, I hate to admit it, but we cut the dash and we put a, I love it. (laughs) I love it. it. That's the eighties, man. (laughs) Cut it up. Cut it up. We put a, a blah punk pullout stereo in it. Of course. Uh, of course. And then, uh, so it had, um, I forget what the crossover was, but it was a big crazy crossover that you could dial in and equalizer. But I had Orion amps, the uh, two of the small, like, I forget what they were like a shorter square. Yeah. And then I had the longer ones. And then I had what we called the skateboard amp. Oh. It was like a nine, 900 watt crazy thing and that was hooked up to some um some kefs i don't know if you remember what kefs were yeah they were that flat giant 12 by 6 subwoofer oh yeah 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 i remember that <laughs> yeah so it was it was pretty modern at the time for you know it, kefs just came out and that you know the orion amps were you know kind of the yeah, that's the whole ticket. I mean, the Orion amps were the way to go. I mean, I've got my, I've got my chop top, my red car that I'm redoing, and that car came with all Fosgate stuff. And so I've been on this hunt for like original punch amps and all this stuff, which I'm starting to kind of rebuild a system similar to what would have been in that car. But and and then this car that you're talking about, that you had, it was featured. It was actually featured in Hot VWs. You said 19 in 1988, uh, April of 88. Correct. Yeah. The, um, there was an off-road issue. Um, yeah. April 88, it was featured and, uh, um, Michael Summer shot it and, uh, it, it had big K well turbo motor in it. The polished alloys. It was, yeah, it was de-chromed one piece windows. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty neat car, but it was its second, uh, incarnation of it. The, you know, the first incarnation you would look was more of a, stripped down simple uh cow car but still very held its own it had a it had a cable weber motor in it at first now how'd you and, and so cable was like i mean cable was like the man back then and how, how did you come across getting deciding to do a turbo because a lot of guys weren't doing turbo stuff back then right well so i grew up in irvine turtle rock area and everyone can remember Mike Maybe's uh, Carmen Ghia that was a best of show America's most beautiful car and it had a cable motor and he ran it so he he was also from Irvine and he lived in the same uh, housing con housing area as um, in University Park is my brother's good friend Kalani Gohara mm-hmm. now so my my first we talked about my first um impression on a vw my mom's friend 66 so kalani had this uh 66 car Gia that was early cowlick we're talking de-chromed uh porsche chromies and uh, painted a gmc burgundy we called it the burgundy bullet well it had a cable 1835 in it that was that was the first fast volkswagen that just scared the hell out of me and just had kept me with a grin from ear to ear and i knew that okay this is what i want and you know that was 
he would come and pick he would pick me up i'd be walking home from from grade school and he would pick me up and drive me home the thing and oh really you know, so, so this was way before i had my own car right and i said because i was going to the buggins they were taking me to the buggins as a little kid and dragging and me along and, and what was his name again his name was kalani gohara yeah you know it wasn't yeah it was a I don't know if it was ever featured. I got some pictures, um, but it was, um, it, it was once again, back then it was just the streets were filled with these clean stripped down painted cars, simple wheels, big motors, simple in interiors. And just, that's what, that's what really, um, uh, that's what lights my eye up when I see, you know, when I think about a cowlick bug, but so yeah, Kalani's car was, <clears throat> so anyways, you know, I'd be in the, in the backseat of that thing going down to a K-Well shop as a, you know, thir 12, 13 year old. And, uh, you know, with Maybe's Gia, you know, wow, you know, he was the talk of the town, you know, that sure. street sweeper thing. And uh, there was, you know, and then the magazine. So I, you know, I had a, my own subscription to Hobby W's and, you know, they, you know, I got the three wheeling magazine sent to me when, when it came out. And uh, so, yeah, we would. I would read those things from cover to cover, and uh, and then so, you, when so you the first time when you got the car the first your oval it was black you said no no that that wasn't was black that, yeah that it, so it was originally that typical uh, repainted seafoam green you would you would call you know oh, okay. kind of it, it had white all white painted smoothies on it lowered in the front 1700 cc in it with some weber icts and just a stock interior with stock wheel just a a very simple uh cow look starter and um and then though you, so you had you know, one of the things you said and this is back in 87 is you had four wheel discs on that car which was that was that wasn't super common back then, like in the, in the mid '80s. Disc brakes, like rear disc brakes, especially, I don't even think came came really popular until like later in the late in the late '90s. You know, so many of those cars were, so many of those cars were. Uh, I mean, it was a few people that made the the rear disc brake setup, so that car was pretty pretty cutting edge. So you had that car was on, uh, it was original adapters, and then you converted it to the uh the bolt-on uh like the drilled 51130 or it was four wheel disc brakes when you first did the brakes on it so when i first built the car when i was 15 it had i did the gear front disc brakes drilled them for 911 alloys ran some four and a half so it had basically gear spindles on it mm -hmm. um and uh with with the drilled 911 pattern four and a half and then the rear i had the adapters and I had five and a halfs on it and that was had a, a BK transmission in it. It was basically a stock gear ratio built transmission, uh, 185s, 135s with the IDA motor and, uh, it worked great. But then when I, yeah, built the second incarnation of it a few years later to, but blew the car apart, did the, started from the pan being painted body color, uh, did the 914, uh, caliper conversion kit i now i think it was gary avis or repart or somebody had a 914 kit where you could run the calipers with the um parking brake cables yeah so it was it was that setup and i can't remember whose kit it was but you're right 
I think that was maybe the first and only kit available that was set up for the street back then. Yeah, it was a pretty rare kit. I do remember that for sure. Yeah, and yeah, it was. You had to take the Type Three. You had to take Type Three rear rear hubs and turn them down and um, drill them for the 911 pattern, and that adapted the 914 rotor uh, hat to it. And then the caliper was, um, you know, fabricated. And now you showed that car. When did you get tapped to be in the magazine for that car? Uh, so I was in this car club called Volkelman Strasse of Costa Mesa that Dude. Michael Summer. <laughs> Dude, I remember that Volkelman Strasse club. All the dudes had like deeps on the back of their cars. I remember <laughs> yeah. seeing all those dudes at the classic, like in, in Costa Mesa. And I was like, was with this Volkman Strassi club. All these dudes had like deep disc center lines in the back of their car. Like it was, <laughs> were, was it, were those guys all about like fast street cars or what was, what was their, what was their story? Yeah. When I was in it for the six months, cause I was short lived. It was, <clears throat> it was more of a bunch of new wave party goers. Um, yeah. They were into street cars, not into drag racing or it was more of a party like it cause eighties was a party and right. like club president had a convertible rabbit and one of the other guys had another rabbit that was kind of fast. And, you know, you had Tim Rushmore that was from, he worked at Kimco. He built a, he had a really cool car and then he built a rag top. You had, you had uh Jim, Jim, I forget Jim's last name. He had a black oval with 14 inch alloys and like he had aluminum uh, fender beating and stuff. So it's just, you know, it was still Cowlick, but yeah, there was a few other late models. There was a few other guys with center lines and a lot of late model cars too. Yeah. Yeah. Like ra yeah, rabbits and GTI stuff like that. Yeah. And you know, like I said, I was only in the club. It was in high school. Like I think I was this, you know, I think I was a senior and maybe I was a senior in high school. Anyways, long story short, Michael Summer was in the club and uh, he knew, he knew that the build was, he, he knew the car when I first built it and he was watching it being built the second time. So he was like, okay, as soon as you're done with it, we're going to shoot it. And so that's how, um, you know, that, that was when, uh, that's how we decided to put it in the magazine and that's how that came about. So how was it? What, what was the experience like getting your car in the, uh, in the magazine? Uh, it was pretty cool. It was, it, you know, uh, it, it, it was a little different back then because the transition between the early, early Calix stuff and the, the 80s stuff and um, God, I can't really put my finger on it. it. It was cool. You know, I got recognition in the, in the club flyer as I was leaving the club. And, you know, I, you know, I, when I went to events, I just went there and you know, just laid low and enjoyed it. It wasn't like, wasn't like it is today where there's a lot of social media and um you know you really didn't know how that how um how it took and all that but you know it was it got recognition it wasn't and i don't build stuff for that so maybe i didn't pay attention enough to to be able to answer that accurately i mean i get and i guess in the 80s right like there were so many cars from southern california there in the magazine it's just kind of like oh yeah no that's cool you got in the magazine no big deal you know, from us out here in the desert, it's like, 
one time, anytime any of us from Vegas got featured, it was like a huge deal. You know what I mean? Because we finally got to, you know, get into one of those magazines where all the cars are from California. Sure. Yeah, I could see that for sure. I, I, you know, it's funny. I would get phone calls from a few people and they were like asking questions like where, like where are the wheels come from? Like, what do they come off of? Because nobody really knew too much. Well, I don't know if everyone, you know, early alloys. I think that the late alloys was more of the, 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 yeah, that was the, the thing. thing. You know, the the early. I know the early alloys were big all along, but uh, you know, you didn't see as many early alloys in the eighties as you as you do now or or prior even. Yeah. Know? So yeah, they were usually the flat alloys, like the flat sixes, is what yeah, was yeah. running because those were the ones the Porsche guys were getting rid of because they were putting flares on their cars and widening the track and all that good stuff. So they got rid of they ditched the stalkers. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that was about the time when all the conversions were going. So, yeah, maybe there was a just because the surplus of what was available, the late ones were seemed to be the ones that were picked up and put on cars. So, and yeah. Then, and then, do you stay in the hobby the whole time, or do you kind of sell your car and get out of it? Like, what happens to the oval? Yeah, no. So i've I've never been without a VW and I've always had multiple. There may be one time I had only one and only very few parts. Uh, so the, the oval, so let's see, the oval was done. Um, I was getting ready to go to way to college. I was trying to get away to go to uh, make myself smarter. And, uh, I wanted to, um, I wanted to get a suburban. I was kind of wanting to do the off-road thing and, um, get out and uh, camp and all that, and so I sold the oval window. It went to Japan. Dino Don sold it uh, for me with the, the same uh, the same uh, trip and purchase time that uh, Bill Schwimmer's tan oval window got sold. And uh, there's some funny stories about that too. But so it sold. I bought a suburban, but I had already owned a '58 Ragtop that I just picked up, and I had a um, once a, a white 66 on red uh, stalker that I had. So I had two other VWs um, already in the works that I owned. And the, the oval was kind of, I really missed the first version of the car. Uh, you know, the, the, the 48s, the, the simple interior, the, 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 just the simple styling. It wasn't a, the flashy thing. I love the second version of that oval, but I kind of was, done with it in a sense i I really i hate to say it i really don't it's not the first one i miss out of all my volkswagens so it sold um and uh so after that you know i went away to to school for a couple years and uh quickly came back um i continued to go to all the swap meets and dig through the recycler and pick up parts and you know, buy stuff and dream and, you know, plan out cars I want to build, buy a set of wheels and okay, now I got to buy a car because I have a different set of wheels now type of attitude. Right. You know, I kept buying dual quiet packs as, um, you know, as the single turbo muffler was coming out, uh, I was still trying to pick up quiet packs and run them, you know? Yeah. Um, And then you, so you've got, so 
you go to college, you get the suburban, you start change a little bit what you're doing. You have a VW in the back burner, and then you now you're involved in automotive right now. So you you own a you own a Star European service and in Costa Mesa you do service on Mercedes and stuff like that. How do you now? Do you transition into automotive work for uh, for a living at that point? Yeah. So uh, college didn't work out, or didn't I didn't finish college up in Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. Um, I came back, and you know, in high school I had an auto shop, um, and uh, Nick Misserville ran a great program, and we had ROP regional occupation program. So in high school, we worked at dealerships for a couple hours as uh, uh, school credit. So long story short is I worked at Toyota, a bunch of guys worked for Mercedes and they got hired on as jobs. So when I came back, I was needing some money. I needed a job. And um, I started working at Budnick uh, billet aluminum wheels when he was first starting. He just left uh, Boyd. Oh, really? So yeah, so I, I was helping Lane and Alan Budnick and Sheila uh, over there, and I made a few mistakes on the mill, and Alan was like, maybe this isn't for you. And uh, at the time, uh, the guys at Mercedes were like, hey, because back then you couldn't just show up at Mercedes and get a job. You had to be invited. You had to be, you know, they, you had to be somebody. Right. Well, my buddies knew that I came back into town, and they are always looking for good uh, – you know, apprentices and they're like, Hey, Mark's in town. So they called me up and offered me an interview. And, um, I was, I was going to go a totally different route. And so I needed a job and got this job there. And, uh, I was like, wow, you can make a career out of this. And it's German cars and the engineering and the, uh, the, the, the education and the tools. And I was just like, oh, I'm a, because I'm a car guy, you know, I was doing, I was making my own tools as 14, 15 years old in my garage, trying to pull a wheel bearing off, wheel bearing race off. I'm like, how am I going to do this? You know, and here this place is, has all these great tools and the, you know, the tool trucks are coming and just catering to you. So I'm all in. So I start, I took the apprenticeship there and did the, the two and a half years of, uh, actually it was almost, yeah, it was about two and a half years of uh, apprenticeship and became a Mercedes, um, Mercedes Benz trained uh, technician. So that's how that happened. And then, so you're still working. So when you start working on cars for a living, are you still involved in cars in the aftermarket after work, stuff like that? Or you kind of get burnt out a little bit or, or how's that tie in? No. Yeah, no way. No, it, it fueled it. Um, I was getting, I was starting to make some good money. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I met my, uh, I met this gal and, you know, got was um, serious relationship and, you know, started a family pretty early. I got married at 21 oh, or I'm sorry, 20, 23, you know, met her about 21. And that's about the time I started at, you know, she's one of the reasons I came back from school. And so starting a family, um, still had the passion, making decent money. Um, I had my 60, my stock 66. Then, be, you know, I had all these extra parts. I built a 2175, had a set of early alloys. I had all these parts and bam, my 66 was now a cow bug. Original paint car um, along, you know, uh, and uh, 
what else did I build? You know, and then I, I still, you know, we rode dirt bikes and we, then we rode quads and then I sold the quads and started building a couple of sand rails, all VW powered sand rails. So it just, my involvement just multiplied with, um, with after, you know, with the VW scene, you know, always, still, always had a street car, always had a 48 motor street car going to the desert. Um, yeah, it just evolved. And now what, a, a question I forgot to ask when you, about your last car, you sold it to the people of Japan. What'd you get for that oval? Oh, wow. So <laughs> God, the number, I can't remember the number. It was like, it was like low T. I would have to talk to Dino because I wanted like 22 grand. And I remember Judy Cable came to me and she's like, Mark, you're insulting these guys. They, they could build a pro stock car for 22 grand. And I'm like, but Judy, I have like 40 in this thing. I built it with my hands. And so I think even Kamori, I think Kamori was interested in it, but he, not at 22 grand. And right. then that's when Dino, that's when Dino came in and he brokered it. I, I want to say I got either 13, five or 15 grand, maybe, um, or even it sold for 13 or 14 and I ended up with 11. Oh, wow. You know, it was one of those that you, you kind of back then anything over eight grand in a, in your pocket when you're in your twenties is big money. Oh man, you win the lottery. Man. <laughs> <laughs> you, you forget that you put all that into it, but that was an accumulation over time. And, um, yeah. So yeah you're that's like, what, finally, finally this piggy bank is going to pay off. <laughs> yeah right so and, you uh, you sell that car and then you're you're kind of still tinkering in the scene doing sand rolls because you, you kind of go through that right yeah you, you spit you got kids and so you get like dune buggies four-wheelers whatever stuff to, that everybody can enjoy and then when do you pick up the the your 61 i'm not too not too soon after uh, my son was born um, God, the other day I, I did, I put the number on it, what year it was. And, uh, it, it was like mid nineties, let's say. Oh, wow. How old's your son uh, now? So he, yeah. My son's 30. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you've had that. You, so you've had this car a little while. Yeah. Yeah. I've had this car about 28 years and, um, cause yeah, I, I built the, you know, the 66 was, was there. I, God, I don't want to bore you with the details, but there were so many other cars. And, uh, but I was buying original paint cars and it's funny, uh, long hair, John and Danny Gabbard, uh, mm -hmm. kind of, they jokingly said, you know, they would see a unpainted all original paint car that was, and they, and they'd be like, okay, that's an Akulian build right there. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> it was so simple to make a, a nice street car. You buy the nicest, uh, stalker bolts and wheels on it big motor bam instant nice car and because you got to remember i was starting a family yeah and even though i was you know buying a lot of stuff and trying to stay into it i couldn't build another you know you can't, you can't drop 10 grand on a paint job when you're uh, starting a family so you, you kind of get creative on how you're going to build a really nice car like I bought an all original 60 convertible that used to show up at the classic Jade green, just a beautiful bone stalker and uh, bought that, put spindles on it and set of flat four BRMs and bam, just a 
instant well, showpiece. And the reality is, you know, I think a lot of us end up, you know, we think to ourselves, well, you know, I want to build it so I get the street cred. But the smart way to do it is the way that you're doing it. Like buy the car, you know, as close to nice as as you can. And then you just start to do your own little tweaks and mods to it, make it your own. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what it is about this, this thing where we feel like we got to build it or, or earn the street cred on, on doing the cars. And for some of us, it's just, we're too short sighted to see, to save the money to buy something that's a little nicer. So we start with you know, like, dude, it's only 500 bucks. You know, that's where, that's where it all starts. And it, it goes wrong shortly after that, because, you know, by the time you're into this thing where you can go buy a nice car for seven or 8,000 bucks, you know, back in the day, I mean, you're buying a pretty close to like dialed in Volkswagen, you know, you're going to spend that within the first year, just buying parts and, you know, doing minor mods to those things. So really that's the smart, I, I think that's a smarter way to do it, you know? Yeah. And that kind of, kind of the, what, so back to the, the 61 California mm -hmm. gold car. So a good buddy of mine, he was selling this nice 63 anthracite bug. And I'm like, okay. Cause I was like, okay, I, I got to build my, my seventies era, correct. Cal look car because you know, everyone's building these cars. And I'm like, I want to build this, you know, I've, I've, I've missed out on a bunch of set of B BRMs over the years and I still want to build that car I wanted in high school and, right. uh, and got sidetracked. So I went to, to, went to his house to look at this thing. I was going to buy it, had pocket full of cash and, uh, in the garage. I'm like, what's that? And he's like, Oh, that's a, a rag top. I'm kind of piecing together. And so pan was powder coated had a Harold Carter from Garter's Gearbox Shop, a uh, Berg five speed in it. It had 356 brakes, had a set of flat four BRMs on it. It had boxes of rubber and a few pieces. It was painted. It had this, you know, halfway decent paint job on it. And I'm like, well, how much is that one? And it was the same number as the stock Anthracite 63. So back to what you're saying is I'm like, doing the math and I'm like, okay, I'm going to blow this 63 down to the shell and pan and start buying parts. And, and I'm looking at that and I'm like, that thing's got 12 grand worth of parts on it and it's still a decent shell. Right. So right. money's better spent on that thing when it's going to look like that in a few weeks in my garage anyways, no, no brainer. So I buy the, buy this other one instead. And which is the car I have today. And, you know, I was money ahead. Now, that car, you would think I was just going to be put together really quickly. Um, I get it home, blow it apart, and, you know, not saying it was a, a bad car or anything. It's just nowhere near, you know, the, there, there was a lot. It, was, it wasn't to the level that I was planning on building a car, let's say. So, blew everything apart. The, the five speed went into my 67 because I had already purchased the five speed gearbox kit. Uh, and I already bought a uh, Berg's 86 stroke. I'd already been buying parts to build this ultimate, you know, seventies era, correct car that I wanted to build. So, uh, I was like, you know, I just multiplied in parts. And, um, uh, so, uh, there, there's quite a bit on this car that came with it in a sense, but I even replaced the doors on the car because the, 
the doors had rust in them and they were patched uh, not the best. And Danny's like, just find me another set of doors. And so every nut and bolt, every inch, every square inch of this car, even down to the pan, the pan was stripped back down and repowder coated and chains just uh, went through everything on the car. So, uh, but now, now when you started this build, did you have paint? You know, because you've got a lot of custom work on the deck lid. It's it's like it's it looks like a fiberglass deck lid, but it's actually a steel deck lid, right, on that car. Correct. And so there's a lot of custom fab work done to it. Did you have like you had a plan, color, motor, like what was your game plan in the beginning when you started with this car? I had a I had a vision. I had a, a gut feeling. Um, I did not have nothing was a hundred percent. It, it did evolve with a plan. Like I had, I had a just, um, like even in the magazine, Shin snapped a picture of my high school drawing, my sketch I had. And I, I just had this vision, this vibe, uh, even the color, like people, you know, the, the, the color is, you know, people call it yellow mm-hmm. and yellows. It's one of those controversial colors, either you love it or you hate it. Yeah. I didn't I didn't set out to build a yellow car. I had this gut feeling, I had this image of what a cowlick bug is about and when I'm driving it, how I'm going to feel when I'm driving it. You know, I didn't build it for anyone else. But I wanted to build it to a traditional spirit that uh I was first influenced by. So I did. I had this it had to be a, there must have been 20 30 shades of paint. And I call call it shades. I don't like calling them colors because there's a million shades to every color. So I just had this shade of uh, of, of paint, uh, a vibe, and uh, so that was the driving force. And it evolved as, and because it took 28 years to build, it did evolve even up until the last year that I built it. Um, you know. It's, if you can understand what I'm saying, yeah. This, the vision never changed, but as time passed, like if I would have rushed this car and built it in five years, it would not look like this one. It would be something completely different, right? Because uh, even the even the plaid material, I had made up my mind three or four times prior on what the interior was going to be, and by accident, I found this. Uh, you know, I was going through swatches and ordering swatches. And I saw that the plaid material in that color, and I'm like, no, it's too white. I don't want another Pete Engel white interior uh, like my oval. And uh, the uh, the lady, she's like, well, let me, because you have five more samples I can sell you, send you. I'm like, send me whatever. So she sends me the the gray plaid from the Chevrolet, and it, I open it up. I'm like, what's this thing? Oh, that's the gray. It looked totally different in person, right? You got to look at it. And uh you know, I threw it on the next to the car after it was painted. And uh, I walked out in the garage because I would do that. You, you, you throw it over there. So when you walk by it one day, it catches your eye. And the answer is either yes or no. I walked by and I'm like, it looked like it was check. It looked like a checkerboard interior. I'm like, checkers. That, and it just, it worked. And uh, I'm like, that's it. So, and that, I picked that right up until, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. So, um and now you've got, you've got a, a myriad of kind of rare accessories on this car. So what, what, what all is rare stuff that you collected set to the side specifically for this build? 
Ah, well, uh, so the Talbot outside mirror, mm-hmm. for sure. I got that at Dunkel Brothers Porsche meet, I don't know, 20 years ago, 30, 25 <laughs> years ago. That's a long-term purchase. Like, this is going on my car when I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Um, even the inside rearview mirror was a, was a purchase. That, you know, if I, not many people notice, but uh, Aronson's white car on the cover it's a it's a half nickel half black plastic inside rearview mirror. Uh, when I found one of those, I'm like, that's gonna go in my car. Um, the Lucas lights, I've collected Lucas lights over the years. I think this pair has been uh, in my possession for about 18, 20 years. Um, uh, the license plate, front license plate bracket, something that's been on my cars since high school. Um, a lot of NOS stuff. So. I can't like there's I used to be able to go into bugs for you back in the day and we would I would be able to go in the back and dig through the bins and you know buy NOS parts like door handles front hood handle um the tack uh that was a tack that I got um from I believe I got it from Kimco or somebody way back in the 80s now the tack is is in the place of the speedo right Correct. Correct. And it's a. What kind of tack is it? So it's out of a Puma GT out of Brazil. Oh really? And it's the first version Puma tack. It's a white needle. Most all the Pumas have like black needle, like more modern video style um, gauges. So uh, it's a pretty rare piece. Even uh, one of the old Puma guys noticed it many years ago when I had it because I was asking him about another gauge and I go, Oh, look at this thing I got. And he's like, Whoa, where'd you get that? So, uh, that's a pretty rare piece. I think unless all of a sudden they start surfacing and someone <laughs> calls my bluff, I guess. Um, but I got that, you know, that's a tack. I'm like, okay, there's a hundred different tacks. We can do a hundred different ways. I can do the dashboard. And, you know, I, I, I was going to do something with an aluminum dash, but then I'm like, no, I, I can't cut up a dash. I like the stock dash. So, um, yeah, so that was something. Um, you know, the 48s, those are my first set of 48s I ever on my first engine from, the, you know, back when I was a kid. Oh, really? That I've kept over the years. Yeah. So, um, collection, what else have I collected for that car, you know? Um, that shifter, I think that's the, I have to go back and study it. I prove myself wrong, but I think that's my first Berg shifter I ever purchased. Um, and I've had several others. And so I had converted it to, um, right. How other ones I can't remember quite, but when I bought my five speed kit, you know, I brought it to them and I think it was already a locker. And then I brought it in and they made it a five speed locker. Um, and now, so, so the car's got a Berg five speed in it. What's, what's in it for, what's in it for uh motor? Uh, it's a, it's an 86, 94. So 23, 87, whatever it is. And uh Berg eight Berg crank. Um, another one of those purchases, you know, back in the nineties, um, I would go to Berg's and I would bring like, I went in there and I, I think after I'd already picked out with gear ratios and everything kind of with uh, Jim Kaforsky about 
what I wanted as a combination. And uh, I saved up my money and I went in and bought the whole rotating assembly from Gene. I walked in, I said, all right, I'm on my lunch hour. Let's spend some money and uh, sat down and uh, ordered up the 86 Porsche journal, Porsche Capri journal um, crank and um, uh, from pulley nut all the way to gland nut flywheel clutch and everything. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, so it's a, uh, and it was a 86, 90 and a half. And I, that I ran it, I built it and put it together and uh, well, I built it and then George Jimenez helped me find, do a fine tune because I screwed up the cam and um, we put it together. But I ran it in my 67 with the five speed for many years. And then I broke a head stud and now it's a 94 millimeter piston that Ron Fleming helped me uh, redo the motor on it, the combination. So, but like the, even the intake manifolds, um, you know, you couldn't get the scat tracks anymore, but Gene had a stash and developed a little bit of a good relationship with him. And um, I'm like, yeah, I need some scat track manifolds. I wish I could find them. And he goes, hold on a second. And he comes out of the back and looks around the corner and comes back out. And he goes, well, I have these right here, new old stock manifolds. So um, uh, that, that was kind of a, that was a cool little find there. Yeah, um, and but then yeah, the linkage on the motor. What's the what type of linkage is that? Ah, uh, that is that's all my handiwork. Uh, I made that all myself. Uh, the the arms, the the little out arms are uh, Dave from Performance when he was on Tustin Avenue, the old auto house. Uh, a really good friend of mine, and buy a lot of parts from him. He had this rabbit side draft. Uh, Weber manifold and had this linkage on it and those arms I'm like those work per I'm looking for something like that so we don't know where he got them from but he goes I can get those arms for you so he bought those arms for me I got them and uh, you know I bought the cross shaft uh, uh, you know I, I whittled out the little aluminum plates that uh, bolt to the carburetors and you know we just got some Himes and I you know, just kind of dreamt it up and it's been on quite a few engines. Uh, it's evolved a little bit. Um, yeah, so yeah unique, that was home. It's a unique setup with the the Himes and everything on it. I mean, it's kind of a slick look, and it looks like it's pretty solid, like not a lot of movement, because that's really the problem with a lot of linkage pieces is there's so much movement in the linkages. It's like your carbs go out of tune pretty quick. <clears throat> correct, correct. You know, I've had a few R&D uh, pickups and stuff, and, uh, but yeah, it, like if you look at it, it hasn't you know, like an inboard uh, springs with some collars to keep it centered. So when the engine's warm and it's stretched out, that's when I set the end play where there's very little slop side to side. Mm -hmm. uh, the crossbar is titanium and it's very flexible. So um, when you stomp on it, that, that bar flexes just a tiny bit and the Himes help it flex. And it seems to uh, help center itself up uh, with equal pressure. You know, it's kind of gives a little bit rather than just being, you know, it, it's, it's loose in some areas where it needs to be and it's tight in the other areas where it needs to be, I guess you could say. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a problem sometimes with the bell crank linkage that I have is like as the idle of the motor starts going up or the motor warms up, it's, uh, 
it, it ends up being, uh, it starts to idle a little bit high because the motor starts expanding and they're fixed and it starts to pull the, uh, starts to pull the, the idle open a little bit. So yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about with, with, with thermal dynamics when the motor starts to expand. And now on this car, what are you running for brakes on this car? Uh, this has Porsche 356B drum brakes uh, all the way around front and rear. And how do those stop compared to like discs? You know, um, they stop wonderful. You know, they they have a good tight feel. Um, for me to compare them to discs, I, I actually prefer them. I prefer drum brakes only because I'm a mechanic and I, I like to adjust stuff and, you know, you know, I, I can feel when something's a little bit out of adjustment, I can get in there. I'll make some adjustments. Whereas like disc brakes are always, you know, they're pretty much self-sufficient. Right. And, uh, you deal with, uh, you know, residual pressure, you know, like some master cylinders have, you know, people always say, well, you got to have residual pressure valves or, or you don't need residual pressure valves and, with all the different combinations of calipers, you get different feels. And so as far as putting a set together, um, you know, I put plenty of sets on cars, customer cars, friends, cars. Um, I just like a drum brake. It's more, um, uh, more, um, it's barbaric, if you will, or yeah, a little, uh, less, less techie. Right. A little, a little, uh, a little, uh, anti-tech brake setup. So, but, so you've got the disc brake or you've got the drum brakes, the Porsche 356 drum brakes, and then uh, the wheels on it, those are original BRMs? Yes. <clears throat> yeah, they're original mag, uh, Speedwell BRM mags. And uh, how, long did, how, yeah, long, how long did you get those? I got them several years ago. Um, I got them from a good friend of mine um, on another well-known street car. Uh, Dave Mason, his black uh, ragtop. Oh, okay. Um, they were on his car, and uh, so I joke. I joke saying that they're the they, they're the it's the fastest set of original BRM mags because his car was pretty dang fast running nitrous. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're the fastest set of BRMs on the on the street right now. So. And, uh, <laughs> so what he run with that car? God, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I forget his his best time. We'll have to get him on a podcast and let him tell us the stories. But, yeah, for sure. Um, I know that. I know that. Uh, anytime there's a talk about a fast street car, you know, he's like, well, "Let's line them up. But who wants to be second first? Right. <laughs> well, I dig. I, I dig it. So he had a set of the BRMs, and then he kind of saved them to the side for you. And I'm sure they're they probably weren't cheap if you bought them within the last i mean shoot they haven't been cheap for a long time i mean it's not something that uh you run across every day as a set of brms you know original brms yeah so how i acquired them is uh you know i have this he would he his daily driver was a 77 bus and when he would go on long road trips he would uh i would throw him the keys to my mercedes my e-class and he's a good buddy you know you want to have safe on the road so he would borrow it all the time, and then he was going to relocate years later to, up to Oregon. And um, he's like, "Hey, I know you want my wheels. I want your Mercedes, and I want your Ocrossa seventy-eight crank with flywheel and your Rimco super rods." And 
a few other trinkets and let's trade. Uh, so I was like, let's do it without even thinking twice. So I, I didn't have to cash out for him. Um, uh, he got what he needed. I got what I wanted. Um, so it, it, uh, it worked out well. And, you know, I, I couldn't get the, the yes out of my mouth fast enough. Cause you know, I missed out on a previous, previously twice I've missed out on BRMs over the years, you know, even all the way back to my first car when I was uh, 16. Yeah. So, um, I had a set of BRMs that eluded me. Uh, there's a guy up in Crestline, uh, Mark Dentice. He had a couple of VWs. Um, he had a 63 convertible that was in uh, hot VWs. It was called Day Cruiser. Um, really cool buckskin tan convertible center lines. But he had a black oval, and he had BRMs. And I went up to visit him because that's where my friend's family's cabin was. And uh, new Mark. And so I drew, couldn't wait when I got my car done to drive up to show him. And I pull up and he goes, I want your Porsche alloys. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, trade me for my BRMs. I knew one was cracked and I go, I didn't care. And he goes, we'll put them on right now. And I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the problem was, was I had the gear front disc brakes with the 911 bolt pattern studded. The, the rear was no problem because I just unbolted the, the uh, adapters and bolt the BRMs on. And, but if, if I could have bolted on the BRMs on the front that day, I would have driven down the hill with a set of BRMs. And that would, I would have been a 16 year old kid with BRM mags. That was uh, unobtainable back then. Yeah. I mean, they've been, they've been quite rare for a long time. I mean, when I, the, the red chop top that I have has them. And he told me that back in 88, he paid 800 for the set, which in 88, 800 bucks is like two, two grand today. You know what I mean? I mean, that was a lot of money, especially when you were buying VW wheels. Cause you'd go to the store and buy a wheel for 50 bucks, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, that's, it, it, it's crazy how much they've, they've always sold for a ton of money. Um, and you know, I, I think when I pulled mine up, I, when I pulled mine off, they had all of them that had been welded and all that stuff already. So, um, find a nice set, man. That's a, that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty tall feat. Now, after you've got, so, and who did paint and body on it? Uh, Danny Gabbard of Gab Fab. He did all the metal work and all the paint and body. And then that deck lid, tell me a little bit about the deck lid. So you kind of emulated the, the MP deck lid a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, Danny's doing all the metal work and we're doing it and I go, I want an impy eyebrow gill deck lid. So I had this fiberglass one. It was new old stock or I can't remember if it was a flat four reproduction or if it was a genuine impy. I got it from uh, one of the guys at bugs for you. Mm -hmm. And I bring it over to Danny's. I go, here's the deck lid. We'll get this thing fitted. I want to put, I want to take the factory metal hinges. I want it to hinge like a factory one, everything. And he goes, we're not putting a fiberglass, excuse me. He goes, we're not going to put a fiberglass deck lid on this car. This thing's all metal finish, no Bondo. And uh, he goes, well, how about we make make the, I can make the gills out of uh, metal. And I go, well, let's do it. And then uh, I go, I even have this badge. I have an original uh, Impy Globe uh, badge. 
And I go, let's put this on it. And so he made the tooling to recess the, the oval globe a little bit, kind of French it in a little bit, I guess you would call it. Yeah. Um, so we got kind of creative. We were going to do, you know, he, we really didn't know how it was going to turn out. Um, I know I told, I asked him, I go, Hey, you showing me the pattern. I go, well, it looks different. Cause the, the eyebrow starts up higher. He goes, well, the structure's there. We can't do it. And I'm like, okay, we'll just do it. You know, so let's see how it turns out. And uh, that's, so that's the first one that he did. And he's done many more after this. And I think everyone's a little different, which is cool because it's like a, like a piece of art, if you will. Well, yeah, they're all handmade, so they can't, you know, they're, they're all going to vary quite a bit, I would think, you know, d d especially with the varying details. But I think yeah. it's, a, you know, it's got a, <clears throat> it's got a good look to it. You know, you blacked out the pop-out window, so you kept the pop-out window instead of doing pop, instead of doing a, a stationary window in the back, you ended up doing a pop-out, and then you did all the trim around the windows black. What made you, uh, what made you do that? Uh, just staring at the hundreds of Calic cars and seeing what made me say yes or no. And um, uh, I, I like the clean look. Um, I like the contrast of a little bit of stainless and chrome. And, you know, you know, Danny also told me, he's like, hey, you want stuff to just disappear. And uh, like we uh, like I was debating pop out our uh, one piece windows also. And I'm like, no, I have to do, I have to do vent wings because I was trying to build an era correct mid seventies car. One piece door glass was not out yet, except for an early split window, mm -hmm. which I wanted to do early split window doors on it just because of that, just to do a something really different, you know, have a 61 ragtop with split window, one piece <laughs> window doors on it. Like I really wanted to do that in, I had a set of doors lined up and he's like, no, nah, that's just too stupid. And I go, you're right. Aronson's car on the cover had vent wings. I'm going vent wings. It's proper. I didn't want to go too custom. Right. Right. Uh, so, and then, so yeah, the attitude was to, you know, an aluminum frame pop out would have stuck out like a, a white wall tire, if you will, if it wasn't painted black and then, you know, the vent wings too, um, spent a lot of time, Taking out the right, once again, the right shade of uh, semi-gloss, flat, whatever have you to, so you're not, you don't look at it and see a shiny black window frame. You, you see just, it just disappears like a piece of rubber. Right. So there's a lot of thought going into that. And, and you know, just wanted to, that clean lines, I love a D-chrome car. Um, you know, there's, uh, I went back and forth about, you know, trim on the running board. The trim on the running board was purposely kept because, first of all, the stainless doesn't pop like, or it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't jump out at you like a, a bright dip, which was bright dip was the aluminum coating that a lot of those cars were, were you know, they, they weren't stainless back then. Yeah. But polished stainless picks up the light differently, it picks up the ground and it disappears more. So it kind of adds an accent line to the car. And it ties in with the, you know, the stainless handle, the chrome trim rings, the the the, the polished stainless uh, Talbot Berlin mirror, and yeah, it's just uh, enough to tie it all together. Yeah, and then like if you notice the 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 pop out latches are still chrome, 
Um, and then even the rivets, I, I sourced even up a couple years ago, I found a guy that had new old stock pop out latch rivets on the Samba and I bought them. So I purposely, you know, my one buddy's like, just pin everything black. Why are you, why are you worrying about the latches and the, the rivets? I go, well, you need that little contrast, you know? And so the, the blacked out frame with the, uh, the little stainless polished, um, uh, rivets in the chrome latch and then if you notice the the door pop-out wing windows you know everything's black but the nos uh, latches are still all chrome so the, i purposely went um you know every piece has its little accent to it to uh give it a little a yeah. little break so when you step back and you look at the whole package nothing looks out of place nothing looks overdone Nothing looks uh, forgotten, you know. Yeah, it's it's uh, important to get that right balance because sometimes, like, there's people that have started to drill stuff when the when the fluting stuff came in, like the the speed drilling on things, and then next thing you know, they're drilling every stinking thing in the car, and it just goes way too far, you know, and it, it just loses it loses its intended look of sportiness, and it just looks like someone went crazy with a drill press on the car, you know, so. Now you've got the MP the MP wheel in there the the uh, Gen One airbag. <laughs> it's got the gig the gigantic horn button on there, the leather wrap yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And once again, that was that was that was a purchase right up until a few months before I debuted the car. Um, you know, I have four other steering wheels that were going in it. And uh, I uh, was trying to figure out which one I was going to do. And from a Superior 5, I have a new old stock 15-inch Superior 500 that's got the chrome spokes on it with all the, the holes in it. Just a period correct piece, and it looks great. Um, I have a, a little 14-inch wood GT wheel that I've had in a bunch of different cars that um, – and then I came across this one or reached out to a, a guy and um, I go, you know, I've always really liked that wheel. And, and as the car would see, that's as the car was coming together, every wheel I had was getting less and less of a, a yes. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I always liked that one wheel and I go, okay, you know, I got to find one. So I reached out to find a new old stock one and, I had to pay the money for it, uh, but once again, it, it, I it was I felt it was something that was needed to tie the car together. Um, and I thought I thought they were leather wrapped myself until I purchased it. But it's a um, you know a um, um, it's a vinyl injected. It's one of the early style uh, early versions. I guess when they were starting to manufacture that, but very very good quality that they did back in there back then and. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, so the stitching is like a, is like a thread. It's like a thread embossing on there. Yeah. It's a cast. Like it's, it's, uh, it's like a, a it's like a hard vinyl rubber. It, like the, the stitching is actually part of the, I guess it's like the McRib, you yeah. know, <laughs> <laughs> it all just comes, yeah. it comes, comes as one part. So the first time you debut the car is where, uh, so yeah. So DKP's. Uh, Friday afternoon um, 
bug in night before the bug in weekend cruise, um, their, their little deal. I literally finished it that morning. Uh, was renting a place, a warehouse down the street in Yorba Linda and, uh, you know, up for several nights. I was going through a lot of moves and stuff. And I said, forget it. I'm finishing my car. And, you know, I literally, we were putting the car together the night before, mm-hmm. uh, got a little bit of rest, came in, went to the shop, aired up the tires, double, triple checked everything. And the first time I drove that car up to a stoplight and drove through a stoplight completed, was on my way to the DKP um, cruise uh, for that, um, that bugging event. Now, have you, were you keeping the car under wraps the whole time? Like trying to keep it real low key so nobody would see it until you debuted it? No, not so much. Um, uh, you know, because it took so long, mm-hmm. um, it's actually the opposite. I think over the years and I kind of got a little sick of it and I kind of almost stopped. I never stopped going to events, but I go to events and they're like, is your car done yet? Hey, where's your car? Like people knew it. People are anticipating it. There was lots of pictures of it. I would post pictures of little corner shots here and there. Um, nobody knew, I guess it got to the point where people stopped asking me and uh, <laughs> let their guard down and not really expecting it. So a little bit of that surprise where uh, when I, when I drove it in, I think a lot of people were like, Oh, okay. Wow. What a shock. You know, yeah, it's finally so done. It was <laughs> finally done. People, a lot of people knew about it, uh, but not everybody knew about it. Um, still a lot of people that I thought had already seen it are like, Oh, you finished your car. And um, yeah, so I debuted it there. And another funny story is a couple of people walked up and they go, Hey, that's not a 67. <laughs> because everyone's used to seeing my ratty old black uh, streetcar with the uh, five speed and the DC and F engine with the flat four BRMs on it. And they, those people, when I talked about, yeah, I'm almost done with my car. I'm trying to finish my car. They thought that that car was the one I was building. <laughs> oh, really? So that was, yeah. Cause you know, I, I have, you know, I, I have a couple other cars that I take to events and um, so that was, that's kind of a cool little, uh, uh, you know, a little shock to people, a little surprise, but and so uh, but you, yeah, that was, that was, you debut it at the DKP meet and then they end up giving you the award for, um, for the, uh, club, like the club pick. Is that what it was? Yeah. The, the DKP club choice, mm-hmm. I guess I think is what it is. <clears throat> yeah. Their, their, their choice award. So that's a, you know, that, that makes you feel good. Um, yeah. And they usually give it to cars that like just debut. Like if you're debuting there and it's something new because that over the past, you know, decade has become kind of the thing, right? You debut your car at the, the DKP meet before the show starts. And, uh, it's kind of become the thing on classic weekend. And then, you know, the classics sometimes here, sometimes not. So it's kind of, and, and there's, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff now going on with, uh, with, classic weekend now socal vw month or year whatever they got going on now it's quite it's quite a undertaking you know but uh yeah and they, you know one of the uh, one of the guys in the club would talk to him years ago and you know there was a lot of there's been some uh, talk about it but 
they're like, hey, why don't you recognize a few other cars? And they said, hey, we don't want to have our own car show here. It was meant to be a, uh, you know, a, a casual thing. Hey, look at all these people that are showing up to our uh, our cruise night. This is cool. We should give back to some. We should we should pick a car that would be. Uh, it, what what I guess the the question they would they ask to ask themselves is, what car would you want to jump in and drive home that fits the club? Right. Uh, 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 you know, vibe, if you will. So that's, I believe, I believe I'm speaking for them, but I sh- maybe I'm out of place, but that's what I took that they, that's what they look for. So they uh, have to keep a open mind about what the club is and then what car really grabs you that you'd want to jump in and, you know, take to the, the events and go grab a burger in or something. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, some people think like it's, it's the best car there or it's this or it's that. But the reality is they pick it based on what they like as far as cars go, which, you know, makes sense, you know, cause it's D it's a DKP meet. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it, it usually follows like the cow look style, you know, like that's what they're into and, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, um, yeah, yeah. They don't want to be judging the best car because that's on Sunday at the classic or the buggy. And that's where, uh, the big, the big car show judge would be right. So well, yeah, and it, it also, you know, it 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 takes away from it being a DKP meet because it's kind of a DKP meet where other cars show up, you know. So I think it's uh, I, I I think it's it's fitting that that car took the prize over there because it it is a quintessential traditional cow look. You know, it ticks all the boxes for everything that you're looking for in a cow look car. And so now is the car a hundred percent done to you? Yeah, it, you know, it, it is. And there's a, you know, like um, there's a few things I think I would want to change, you know, cause uh, I do have a lot of options to do things too. And I haven't yet. I, I'm happy with the car the way it is a hundred percent. I love jumping in it and enjoying it. Um, um, I, uh, I still walk by the car sometimes and I'm like, whose is that? You know, right. right. It's too nice. Like, like, man, it's so nice. It's such a nice car. And it was so long in the, in the build process that sometimes, you know, I, I get what you mean. I've, I've got a car that's been, uh, it's been in the restoration process for quite a while. And sometimes like, sometimes I even forget that I have it, you know, it's been, it, it's so, it's so long and going and I've got other cars, but then that's the problem too. When you're building like kind of a high end, builder car it ends up turning into you know kind of a a big project where like midway through you might say oh you know i think i want to change this to that or shift this to that or let's make this minor adjustment and then sometimes you make one step forward and two steps back so it's all it's all part of the build process right but i mean if you, i guess if you want it to be your car that's really what it takes sure sure and that's part of the you know I've been very fortunate to have quite a few cars to satisfy other tastes on. Um, I was, you know, being disciplined with this build to be a traditional, you know, mid seventies era car that, uh, you know, a period correct to where if it was, it was built back in the day, it's, it's hard to put, it's hard to put a number on or put a, a timestamp on when it was built. Mm-hmm but it answers um, 
a, a style, like a traditional, you know, it's not a hundred percent to the cars that were in the pages back there. Cause there's a few things that, you know, it may or may not have, but it, I tried to be as disciplined as I could to make uh, decisions um, to have it turn out to be a, a specific uh, era build. Uh, yeah. That makes sense. And uh, so, yeah. Um, but you know, like the front license plate bracket, it's been on every car I've had since I got a ticket in high school in my oval window. Uh, and like Mark Serber's Brown, uh, car with the BRMs. There's a picture of it, and I, I always loved the way that front license plate looked like it was floating. Because, you know, I got a front ticket. I've got a front license plate ticket when I was 16 and a half in Newport Beach, and just ruined my cruise night because we would cruise the beach. And I'm like, guys, picking on me for a stupid license plate. So, it's a whole story about that. And I, I there's a couple pictures where it's not on there that I took, and I'm like, God, it looks clean without it. But then it's it's a purposely uh, placed thing so you know i have a, i have another set of wheels i could throw on it uh, i i probably will at some point no way drive it with the brm <laughs> listen i my brother told me this you better get another set of brms and cruise it with that on there man don't be driving those original brms or i'm like no bro legends drive original brms just drive it with the <laughs> brms man it's it's only money. It's only money. You just go buy another one if you. I mean, if you can find one. But you know, hey, just do, just right. watch for potholes. You know. Oh God, yeah. Oh, those yeah. things. Those <laughs> things will ruin your day and cost you about half a grand if you bust one. You know, if you can even find a, a single beer room for five hundred bucks anymore. Yeah, no, you're you're dropping three, four, or five grand for a wheel. I think nowadays, if we, uh, you know, because now people are, you know not going to let go of them because they know they can't get them back. So, yeah, that's nuts. Well, so what's, so do you drive the car now? I mean, are, are you, are you putting some miles on it as your plan to drive it? Or are you, it's so nice. You don't want to, you don't want to see it get chipped up and stuff like that. Yeah. Heck no. I love driving it. I I'll take it to lunch to go get a burger with greasy hands and I'll clean this, clean up as best as I can. Cause it sits here at the shop and um, I've taken it to, I've taken it to Irwindale twice, uh, you know, from, you know, which is 80 mile an hour, 80 mile uh, round trip. Uh, there was another event out, um, Dave Galassi's place. He did the horsepower festival, took it out there. He's right by Irwindale. I, you know, I've, I take it out and try and take it to any and all events possible. Um, I just love driving it. And a couple of times I went to the, cruise into the new year with dkk and mm -hmm. i pull in and as i'm cruising through everybody's there already and some as i'm driving by someone yells out it's about time you showed up and i <laughs> i i chirp back i'm like i took the long way yeah no <laughs> you and, know and you've got that five speed in there so you've got a nice tall fourth gear that thing just cruises on the freeway absolutely yeah we jim kaforsky you know he's the guru with uh drivability and combinations and yeah we i told him what size uh, diameter tire was going to have i wanted a 412 ring and pinion we had an idea of what camshaft and uh, rpm and displacement horsepower was going to have and got the degree wheel uh got the wheel ch uh, gear chart out and picked the gearing on it and uh, so yeah it's got a nice it's got a stock fourth in it um for the fifth so the thing, I think it's at 78, 80 miles an hour. It's 
buzzing at 3,100 RPM, right? Where, you know, that that's the happy cooling RPM, I believe is what yeah. everyone says. And so get on the freeway, get it up to 3,100 RPM. Cause I don't have a speedo in it. I just got a tachometer and a, you know, that, that other gauge is a cylinder head temp gauge from MP back in the day. And, um, whether you know now that we have iphone gps on ways or something you can see how fast you're going but uh, i drive it for sound um and uh engine rpm and uh yeah it's it's a dream it's a dream to drive it's so tight um quiet with those uh uber rare uber rare uh bird quiet packs that i got from gary berg he you know he had an old stash of uh, mufflers and pipes and stuff that tiger put together for him that now, i picked up several years ago now those bird quiet packs were those like what they're what dino's doing right now with the jeep mufflers and stuff like that or what was what were those all about yeah so uh you know gene berg was very resourceful like when he was doing stuff and he he all those early pioneer guys would like dino and uh, when they would build shifters and they would all work together and you know, I don't know the whole story about all the there's guys that know the full story on all the uh, exhaust uh, uh, timeline and all that. But so Gene purchased like a container full of uh, Jeep mufflers, old surplus. Like he went to a surplus and uh, now there was different versions of those mufflers that you could still buy. There was high flow ones for V8s. There was the ones for four cylinders. There was ones, you know, there was all different combos. And if you even look in the old ads and hot VWs, you could see the can had a stamping number on it. And we, I would not know what those numbers are, but um, you'd have to have a catalog, but the, the, yeah, they were just a Jeep muffler and um, there was different ones. And uh, the particular ones that are on this car, are the high flow ones. Uh, they were probably your V8 one for, you know, that needed to be less restrictive. Um, and they, cause the big uh, shake on quiet packs was, you know, they really only, they were limited to about 200 horsepower on the dyno. Right. And back in the day, if you had 140, 160 horsepower engine, you were, I mean, that's what they were running on the racetrack. Oh yeah. So the muffler wasn't restrictive as the standard of the build on the engine. So now it's if you're not making 220, 230 on the on the dyno on a street motor, you're not the top dog. So these mufflers that you know the muffler was the restrictor, you know. So that's I believe that's why they become less popular as the engine and cams and headwork evolved. Um, so yeah, to get that, um, get that flow out of there. Yeah. So I think I, I'm getting a little off subject here, but yeah, they were, a they were a Jeep muffler that, um, uh, that was adapted to the, uh, which God, the, the quiet pack, a set of 48 Webers with a quiet pack. When, when you get on it, it's a sound that, um, yeah, sound, sound, uh, sounds like a monster coming your way. Yeah, and it's 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 not around anymore because the big high flow mufflers just emit all kinds of decibels and noise. Um, that when you hear a, you know, like when you hear this thing get on it, it turns it snaps some heads on some of the older guys because they haven't heard that note in a while. 
Yeah, and you said Tiger made Tiger made the uh, the dual quiet pack setup. Yeah, um, Tiger has a '67 bug there that is all stock and proper and square, and uh, use it as a has a little sixteen hundred and uses as a mock up. Well, uh, Gary had brought a box of mufflers and pipes and things, and uh, they had a, a couple of old, uh, whether it would be four tuned or Thunderbird or Phoenix mufflers. Because, you know, Gene didn't make his own quiet packs. Uh, you know, he had the other guys build them for him. There was a guy's name, I forget his name, and you had SNS. So they took a couple of those and made kind of a pattern. Uh, a fixture if you will yeah and then these were and then these were welded up together you know for gary's car he had a couple of them made um and you have to ask him the full story and then this was the last set that he had that were complete they weren't run and uh i i, I was lucky enough to acquire them because they they're, they're kind of kind of hard to find um because it yeah. it's like a, it's like a tire it's it's a it's a wear item you know it's not it's not like a shifter or a steering wheel where it can last 60 years you know mufflers they blow out they, the packing blows out they rust out um so yeah well that's cool man well so i i mean i'm stoked for you your car finally done i mean it's definitely deserving of the cover of hot bw's magazine and uh, definitely deserving the awards. And so, you know, congratulations on getting that thing finished. And then you have any other projects coming up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got a few, you know, I got my black 67. I need to do some uh, service work on that and clean that up a little bit, get a headliner in it. Um, don't want to overbuild that. Uh, I got a little 65 stock sunroof that um, we got here at the shop where, bringing it up, making a nice driver. Um, I have a 62 rag top that I was going to do a survivor with, but I found some original two piece five spokes and I got a Dino shifter and I have a lot of period correct parts. So I want to make another, you know, not a, I, I won't be doing anything to this level of the, the 61. Yeah. I it's think just, once you do one, you're kind of, uh, kind of over it <laughs> it's, yeah it's one of those yeah. things where it's, it's 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 a long slow beating and then you're just like i've got it done because I, I did that when i did my gear it was like after my gear was done i was like i i don't want to do another car like this again because it kind of it wears on you a little bit you know it, it just takes so long and then and then it's so nice when you're done honestly my, part of my problem was it was so nice when it was done i was just a wreck driving it everywhere because you know, I was worried about everybody else, you know? Yeah. Cause you can, I, you know, I've proven over the years, you can still have just as much fun, if not uh, a lot more fun with a car. That's it, you don't have to have the nicest thing. You just want a, a fun, fast, hot street VW that makes noise and gets yeah. your, gets you grinning and white knuckling. And so, but uh, I am going to, you know, the, the other cars do have Weber motors and, uh, just got have another 62 uh, recently got. Uh, we were going to do the black 67 to be a little bit more of a hot street car. Yeah. Uh, but it's such a fun, it's such a nice little simple driver. It's fast. It scares you, but it doesn't need to be all that. And so there's a 62 now that was an X race car. 
uh, D-chrome one-piece window T-barred thing, and it fits that cow look thing. And it was a race car, so the brakes are dialed in. Everything's tight on it, and I got it less engine, and I have a, you know, of course I have another IDA engine sitting on the furniture cart in the shop, so I'm going to get that one all bolted up and build another hot little fast street car and it, it paints all really really nice so do a little paint correction touch up and buff it out and so i'm going to try and have that one done by june also oh very cool and bring that out and let, let some family members uh and bring some cars out too and uh, you know i got like dave wants to come down and uh, he always drives a he uses the 67 as a rental uh, there's a couple guys from uh, from over over across the in Europe that want to come, uh, uh, so it'd be nice to have uh, a bunch of VWs for uh, visitors to drive, and we can jam around and you know, and that's just it. The spirit of driving a hot street VW on around uh, Orange County, and uh, that's that, that's the fun part. Uh, yeah. So no question. That's why I'm gonna build a few cars for that so well cool man well i definitely appreciate you making time to come on the podcast man anything uh if anybody wants to get in touch with you uh are you on instagram or any of that kind of stuff where people can grab you yeah i'm on instagram um i think my handle is uh mark akulian 48 um and uh i do uh the star european super service center it has an instagram and a facebook page but um so busy at the shop i'm not too much onto that but you can reach out on facebook and say hi messenger and all that and no totally i think it's rad man i look forward to uh seeing it again when uh the summer events kick off i'll be down there and uh, i'm sure i'll be down there in southern california i'm i'm headed over to the uk at the end of june but uh before then uh i'll be down i don't i think the next the next event might be one of the buggins so well, uh, we'll see. I'm, I may, I may see you there, man. I'll be in my, my probably bring my chop top out. So. Oh, nice. Nice. Have to come by and hang out. And yeah, it's always good. Uh, always good seeing you at the events, even the Octo show, man. So I seen you out there once in a while. Yeah. Well, we drove, we drove out there this last Sunday. I drove out there in my double cab. So me and my, me and, uh, three of our buddies, we all drove from Vegas. So, uh, we, bombed down there on friday went to the roadster show and then after that we looped back over to uh went back to the we went to octo on saturday and then rolled out at about noon and just hightailed it back home so i left at noon i made it home by 5 30 and uh bombing out in the double cap so the big type four <laughs> chugging along but yeah reminiscent of the bull run days that's it man well, i still got the bull run bus she's in the shop getting a full makeover so that thing I'm hoping that thing will be done by June. So if that's done by June, I may actually be out in the uh, in the bull run bus. So that'll be uh, that'll be definitely something. It, it'll it'll look the same, but it'll be totally different. So, but no, it's uh, okay. and you guys got to make sure, man. You got to get down to my one crazy weekend uh, in October third uh, through the fifth, man. Here in Vegas, it is gangbuster great time down here, man. It's it is nothing but. A great time at the Orleans Hotel and Casino for three days straight. So you gotta you gotta nice. for sure you gotta for sure drag down drag the yellow car down and cruise that thing on Las Vegas Boulevard, man. That's what we do. <laughs> we do a monster strip yeah. cruise and then a poker run where I give away a couple thousand dollars in cash. 
So nice. Yeah, for well, sure. Well, you, you know, well, I do. I I want to drive my car out there. I I almost took it to uh, buses by the bridge if I would have had the time. I I really love driving my car, so don't be surprised if I run this thing out there in October on its own on its own uh, power. Yeah, what kind of mileage are you getting on that thing on road trips with the forty eights? You know, I, I I really don't know. I, I, I know that I'm burning like a uh, little over half a tank when I do Irwindale. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's 80. It's an 80 mile an hour, or 80 mile round trip. So um, I, I'll have to, you know, that's that's good. I That's some uh, some pre running I got to do is uh, I'll have to do some fuel mileage check. And, you know, I have been doing a little bit of jetting and uh, a little bit of tuning changes on it to get it to so that, that might play a little part in a fuel economy not much but uh, that's a good question i'll have to get i'll, I'll let you know I'll, I'll uh i'll let you know how many uh yeah. stops i'm gonna need to take yeah that'd be good i was i was grabbing about 18 and a half in the double cab if, if i don't have a headwind and we're cruising we're getting about 18 18 and a half and i'm running a 2270 and that thing but 48 IDAs and, and, and I don't have a five speed now I've got a four speed but at about 77 miles an hour at about 3,000 rpm about 80 is about 3100 so oh, it's yeah it's it's set right. it's set to cruise man so trust me I I love that vibe but a bug is way more comfortable to drive on a long road trip that's for sure than a bus so <laughs> well cool yeah, man yeah well, Mark, I appreciate you coming on and uh, let's uh, for sure we'll, we'll connect to the next meet and then uh, we'll get this podcast out. Sounds great. All right, brother. All right. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, appreciate man. it. You got it. If you enjoyed that podcast, do me the favor and send it out to all your friends that listen to Volkswagen content or don't listen to Volkswagen content and want to get listening to the greatest VW podcast on the market. There's other ones that try, but none have come close. 250 plus episodes gone by. A couple years of podcast listening to get you caught up. But make sure you support Let's Talk Dubs. Go to letstalkdubs.com, pick up some merch. Don't forget, while you're there, register for 2024's One Crazy Weekend. It's going to be the best event of the year. I guarantee it. So bring your car down. Get a chance to win your share of over $3,000 in cash money that we're going to be giving out. And... Don't forget, guys, share the podcast and leave a five-star review. If you leave a five-star review, you get a shout-out. Don't forget to leave your name in the review so you get to hear your name, too. Also, if you pick up some merch, you get a shout-out on the podcast. So until next week, guys, later. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Volkswagen.